I have I have a lot of hope that these younger people who are fascinated by things like psychedelics, tantra, meditation, organic eating, community living, decentralized finance, you know, they're exposed to this information because it's it's exploding right now. The wave of consciousness is exploding. So. Do we rely on these governments, institutions to change things for us? No, start now. Start with yourself, start with your body, then ripple it out to the five people closest to you in your village, your immediate community. And the first step is elimination. Eliminate anything in your life that's making you weak. Welcome to your awakening journey. Today's destinations include higher consciousness and actualized potential. If all ascenders could now please be seated in a comfortable meditative posture, we are about to ascend. You are now arriving at your host, Brian Henry. What is up, ascenders? You're not listening to The Awakened Podcast, a show in which we dive into some expansive, insightful conversations to assist you and a planetary collective consciousness in ascending to higher expressions of awareness, purpose, and potential. My name is Brian Henry. I'm the founder of Together We Ascend and the Ascend Academy over at togetherweascend.com and your host of the show. For those of you that are returning listeners, welcome back, tribe. And if this might be your very first time tuning into the show, I want to welcome you to the ascending journey. Some interesting things begin to transpire when you let go and you allow flow. Coming into this conversation with my friend Kevin Arose, I had some preconceived ideas around where I would like to take the conversation, what I'd like to talk to him about. Source had different plans. You see, the first 30 minutes of our call, we battled with some heavy static interference. It was difficult to hear him, but I kept the conversation going. At the precise moment at which there was a shift from my previous line of thinking, my trying to steer the conversation, to a topic that I could not have known was about to come up, cryptocurrency. At this point, the static interference came to an halt. Source provided a clear signal, the intuitive it was strong, that this conversation, an episode of Awaken, was going to be about something that I would have never previously been able to know. What unfolded from there was a raw, organic, and important conversation about our world situation, our current societal structures, and why it's time to take back our power and become sovereign. It should not be news to anybody that our current societal structures are largely dysfunctional. In a world in which we have the technology and resources for everyone on this planet to be well-fed, yet there are still people starving. A world in which the top 1%, I looked this one up, the top 1% of richest people in this world has more than double the amount of wealth 
than 6.9 billion people in a world where over 700 million people are living in poverty. That just doesn't make sense. Our systems are broken and they're calling for a change. And I'm now beginning to understand that cryptocurrency may very well be the bridge to a more equal, fair, and just financial system. So this conversation isn't just about cryptocurrency and money. It's has way wider implications than that. This is this is about educating ourselves around the broken systems that exist in our world today. But most importantly, what we can do as individuals to invoke positive change. Change towards a world where we are a life-affirming civilization, a world in which we are living harmoniously with each other and our planet, and where humanity and all of our family is thriving. Kevin, such an intelligent person and inspiring free thinker, is here to help educate us, but perhaps even more importantly than that, present this invitation to really do some digging, learning for ourselves, thinking for ourselves, and to take back our power and become sovereign in all ways, including but not limited to financially. This is the re-evolution. I don't know what just happened. I think I know what Serge is trying to tell me, and I'll tell you what that means in a sec. But like, wow. snap of a finger, it just static gone. Did you do anything physically, like to your phone or your device or anything? No. Okay. I shifted in my seat a little bit, and I spoke. Yeah. So I think I know exactly what that means. I just have to put it out there before we move forward. Um, I was trying to steer the conversation in a particular direction. And it didn't feel organic. It felt like these are the questions. This is what I'm lining up. Here's how I get the information out there. Um, and I'm not saying there's anything entirely wrong with that, but source just then that's not the way that we're supposed to have these conversations. Um, I did not think we we're going to be talking crypto today, but it seems like there's a reason why that wants to come up. <laughs> So let's keep it going, brother. Crypto's on your heart. How um how how deep have you gone into this? How much like do you is this something that you've been studying for some time? Or are you not getting into it? Yeah, I mean I, I first learned about it in 2013. Um, I didn't start investing until 2015. And yeah, I've been blessed to be surrounded by very knowledgeable people in it. So my, my own research and, and knowledge of it is, is quite amateur, but I have some experts in my, in my team of Avengers. So I, I've, I've learned a lot by proximity and I'm convinced it's not a solution. It's not a solution to the Federal Reserve and fiat currency and massive debt and the ability to print money. I mean, 
And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you know, we don't have time to probably on this podcast, but you got to research the monetary system. Like what is money? Like what's the that paper bill you're using, whether it's a Euro or a dollar, it's a whole mind fuck journey into understanding finance. Um, but that being said, even, even someone who knows nothing about it can probably be like, huh, something's going on right now. Why in 1930 could the U S dollar buy like, you know, like X number of like dozens of eggs. And in 2020, my, my purchasing power is complete shit compared to that and like hyperinflation and like you know there's all these inherent issues with money in the system that's being practiced bitcoin and cryptocurrency and specifically the blockchain and the technology it's built on is a bridge to a new monetary system now is it perfect does it have plenty of flaws no it's not perfect and yes it has flaws that are being worked out the good thing about cryptocurrency and what it's based on and the culture that created it which was you know well satoshi nakamoto who created bitcoin we don't know who that is is that a person probably a collective anonymous which is interesting but in the first white paper released in 2007 2008 i think it was 2007 when bitcoin was born basically is like hey this is open source anybody can see the code anybody can see what's happening it's indestructible because it's distributed on the internet it's not hidden in banking servers and we can just see there's transparency built in. Um, the crypto represents cryptography. So there's cryptography in that. It's, it's damn near close to unhackable. Now exchanges and, and third parties can be hacked, which has happened. And so that's used against Bitcoin or crypto often. But the code itself, the infrastructure itself um, is highly resilient. So people can copy it. They can, you can make your own coin. You can, you can create use cases for it. Tons of people are using it for finance and brokering. People are using it to create apps. People are using it to create um, ledgers and, and commerce. So like a buying and selling system. It has a lot of applications, most of which haven't even been tapped into. And the main thing to understand about Bitcoin at the base base level is it creates sovereignty for the individual. You don't need what a do you bank. Mean by that? Well, you don't need a bank or a, third, a trusted third party to manage your financial transaction and take fees along the way. Now, there's plenty of big like crypto platforms that still take fees. But right now, I could send you cryptocurrency, regardless of what country you're in, directly without the need for a third party, quickly. We don't have to wait two weeks for funds to transfer, exchanges to transfer. We don't have to get permission from XYZ. That's so sovereignty. It completely takes out the middleman. Yeah, it has the, in, in, it has the in, in a way, it, it does. And it's also a radical store of value. So the dollar, which used to be backed by gold, and I'm talking about the US dollar because I'm from the United States. Um, and it's also the top currency in the world in many ways. Some would argue the Chinese yuan might be the top currency soon. Who knows? The dollar is not based on anything. It's not backed by gold anymore. So the dollar is backed by an idea or a trust in its value. And the Federal Reserve in 2020, last year during the pandemic, printed over $2 trillion, I think 2.2, someone can fact check that, out of thin air. So there's no, like, there's no new gold or something backing the currency. It's just created as debt or a reserve. It's called, it's called the Federal Reserve System, right? Fiat currency. It's a fancy Latin word that means it's like an IOU. And so the central bank could just create money out of thin air. And this is a problem, you know, 
This is a problem for many reasons. And again, I really invite people to do their own research. Like if you're inspired by this, please do your own research. There's tons of amazing resources on this. You got to dig a little bit. Don't, don't, don't just click the top 10 searches in Google. Bitcoin, there's only 21 million at, at present day that can ever be created. So there's real scarcity. It has real value. It's like digital there's gold. There's a limit to how much Bitcoin there can be in the world? Yeah, there's, a, there's an inherent limit that was written in the core code. So, so we're not yet at the point where that limit has been distributed. No, the last, the last Bitcoin, depending on computing power, will be mined in like 2050, 2100, maybe. Because it gets harder to mine Bitcoin as time goes on, which is basically you're solving complex algorithms and there's this whole process to like how it's created in the code, which is beyond my technical level. But um, the code basically sets it up so there's real scarcity. And this scarcity in this case is a good thing because it means that the value will actually be held. So mm -hmm. because Bitcoin is a, is a, a tr it's a bridge to a more sovereign form of economics to so zoom back out. It's not the solution. But there's a reason that Wall Street and Goldman Sachs and Bank of America and Chase are dumping hundreds of millions into Bitcoin and crypto as we speak. Even the old money powers have caught wind and realized its value. Why do you say it's not a solution? What, what flaws do you see in it? It's slow. So if the whole world tried to use Bitcoin to transact and use commerce, it would, it would just be a nightmare. So it's, it's faster than individual like banking spider web issues, but at scale, it's slow. And that's what Ethereum is. Ethereum is the number two coin that is very successful and has the second biggest market cap. And Ethereum is much faster and is the coin that could be the one that could be used by corporations, apps, decentralized platforms for finance, for commerce, et cetera. And it's still not perfect. So the flaws are being worked out and it's mainly because it hasn't, it hasn't been mass adopted. It's more popular than ever. Everybody and their mom is giving financial advice about Bitcoin when I look on social media. People that I told about it you know, years ago and they were just like, yeah, but it's like a scam, right? And I'm like, no, here's, you know, I, I couldn't articulate it like this, but you know, I've, I've been behind it for a while and now those people are telling people what to buy and I'm just, I'm just chuckling. Um, I think it's great though. It's great that it's getting a popularity. It's getting absorbed into the mass consciousness. Um, when it's available on Amazon, on PayPal, on every e-commerce site and you can pay in Bitcoin or sell in Bitcoin, we'll, we'll see a revolution. And, and by that point, I'm, I'm assuming there'll be a new version that'll be upgraded that could hold whole na nations economies in its in its system that creates more sovereignty for the individual that creates a place where there's transparency that's another core value so we know that a lot of these banks a lot of these financial institutions at best are doing some shady stuff and they admit it and they get they get in trouble and pay fines at worst you know there's blood on their hands and they're in bed and doing business with the military industrial complex and there's a whole dark rabbit hole you can go into which i won't but yeah we need, we need more transparency on earth so sovereignty transparency scarcity which means it's going to hold its value and those are those the like just pillar benefits this is why this is better than our current financial system yeah it's very broad brush strokes and again this is very nuanced and, and admittedly, I am a spokesman, I'm a storyteller. 
and there's more technical people who could, or economic, like economist minded people who could give other descriptions that would probably convince a, a Wall Street broker. Um, if you're an average Joe who doesn't own any crypto or, or thinks it's, you know, skeptic, skeptical of it, you know, I would really invite you to, to check it out, you know, do some research, do some due diligence and like really give it a shot to try to understand it. Um, from a financial perspective, I mean, I, I saw a number today in the last 10 years. So go back to 2010, look at the best assets. So if you want to make money, right, this is the other angle of it. Gold, right? So buying gold or gold ETFs, these index funds that are bunch of stocks and bonds that trade your mind gold or you know the top performing stocks so think like apple amazon you know Tesla. well not probably at tesla because they just blew up but you know the top stocks in the world um and then look at bitcoin out of those like a, a couple i think had like 190 percent profit bitcoin had 11,000 percent profit so it's it's outperformed any asset class in the last 10 years by orders of magnitude. We're talking about a hundred order of magnitude, sometimes more, depending on the asset. Um, so, you know, could it disappear tomorrow? No, without, without breaking the internet, you can't get rid of it. It's distributed and decentralization is another one. So transparency, sovereignty, decentralization. There's that? not one, that means there's not one person creating Bitcoin. There's not a central bank just making out of thin air. There's not one institution that controls its, its spread and regulation. The regulatory agencies are involved now and they're trying, you know, the IRS, the SEC, they want to get in on the pie. They're actually investigating Ripple, which is one of the biggest coins right now. And they're in a lawsuit and, you know, there's lots of legal stuff being worked out because the powers that be have, have recognized it as a threat, you know? And they want to make money, so they're getting in at the same time. It's part of the double think of the old system. They'll prosecute and demonize something while exploiting it. It's a real mindfuck. So decentralization is another big part of it. Centralization is great for logistics, but when central, when when one, well, not even one percent, when point one percent of all humans control ninety percent of the wealth on the planet, something's wrong. Is that number it's, again? Is that just? Is that I just made that up. It's okay. a, that's probably a gross exaggeration, but it's probably not too far off. Mm -hmm. It's probably more like 70%. But the top point, the 0.1% of the richest individuals on earth hold more like wealth than like most countries. So the GDP of like Lithuania, for example, is destroyed by like most of the, the Walton family who owns Walmart, for example, like, you know, centralization or like pooling of all resources into one tiny point has been happening on this planet for thousands of years. And on some levels, that was probably logical and evolutionary viable and probably produced some good things. But it's gotten to a point today where we have the technology and then now I'm kind of moving off crypto. This is like the meta rant for our time. We have the technology for sure. We have the food. We, well, let me just break it down. We have the clean air, clean water, clean food, and clean energy so that every single human being and 
every single life form on this planet can not only live, survive, but thrive. Now, is everyone going to live like a Rockefeller? No. Is everyone going to live like the hobo on the street that's mentally ill and freezing to death? Fuck no. That's a travesty that we live in a technologically abundant era, you know? And there are still people who, who aren't eating. Now, I'm not preaching a socialist utopia. I'm just preaching like a core basic logic. And a lot of people pointed this out. E.O. Wilson, a preeminent ethologist of the 20th century, one of my favorite thinkers, he said, we have paleolithic emotions. We have medieval institutions. And yet we have godlike technology. And when these things catch up to each other, if they don't catch up and integrate, we are in trouble. And this is the thing. We have, we have paleolithic emotions. What does that mean? That means like our limbic system and our amygdala, like the, the, the feeling you get when someone punches you in the face or like say you walk in on someone sleeping with your girlfriend, that like fight or flight or freeze response is exactly the same in the nervous system of like a human ancestor many millions of years ago. Mm. So our paleolithic ancestors, ancient humans, are, we're wired up the same. That stuff doesn't evolve overnight. Certainly it's changed and epigenetics play a role, but we have, paleo, we have a paleolithic wetware, hardware, our emotions. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful. It's because they work. That's because they work. There's nothing wrong with it. But it's also a trap. And you see this with politics and ideology and people fighting each other. They're being hijacked by their emotions negatively. And this is how people can do things like the Holocaust or, you know, atrocity and genocide. It's because their emotional system is hijacked and their brain and mind and nervous system are hijacked by these systems of dominance and control and aggression. And, you know, this is a whole thing we have to deal with as, as, a, as, a, as a people, as humans. We have medieval institutions. Even though it's dressed up in democracy and it's dressed up as republic values and rule by the people, what we actually have is it's not too different from medieval Europe. Nobles, elites, and, and fiefdoms, right? Like indentured servants, peasants. Capitalism thrives on a very cheap labor class producing resources. None of this is new. This was pointed out in the 1800s. You know, Karl Marx, we say what you will about him. He saw all the flaws of capitalism early on. Now, his ideas were used to create atrocities in the USSR. But, you know, capitalism, as amazing as it is, which, hey, I'm a, I'm a capitalist. I'm not afraid to say it. I've thrived under capitalism. Um, I also am value-based. And I believe the, the way I've navigated it and a lot of the people that were my mentors is different than like, you know, Walmart or Amazon paying their employees pennies and yet their CEO bonuses are like $900 million. You know, something's weird there. Um, capitalism depends on basically a slave class to produce its raw resources, which is how medieval Europe ran for many, for many centuries. And our institutions are like that. The parliaments and these councils and even Congress in the U.S., it's... It's certainly better than medieval Europe. I'm not bashing it. I'm also breaking down a quote from someone else who like, you know, I, I agree with a lot of it, maybe 90%.
there's room for there's room for optimism here. I'm not a pessimist, but our institutions are lagging behind how far and fast our technology is going. If godlike technology, this black mirror in my hand, this smartphone, any emperor or king from human history would kill for. He would be jealous of you, or she, a queen, would be jealous of you. It's a godlike device. And so to bring this all together, you made a really strong point towards the end. It's in integrating the three of these things. Bringing and it's the very, institutions it's and the, the emotions to God-like. Yes, which won't look like God-like in practice. It'll probably look like pretty humbling. It'll look mm -hmm. like shadow work. It'll look like admitting where we fucked up and learning from our mistakes and humbling up as a species, as a people, as nations, as tribes, villages. We'll have to realize and admit that we've been doing it wrong and no one's to blame except for, you know, we just get to take responsibility and ownership from the personal level. There's no, there's no people or ethnicity or government that's to blame because we've enabled all of it. Mm -hmm. Now, do we want to be ruled by psychopaths and parasites? No. So there's going to have to be some purge energy of like, hey, let's stop giving our power away to these people. I don't mean purge like, you know, we don't have to take these people out or go to war. You just withdraw all your attention and energy. Become sovereign. Not easy. There's not a clear path to this. That's why it hasn't happened yet. It's, a, it's tough. This is, a, this, is a, this is a growth process that will take decades maybe centuries to fully emerge on the other side of this into something new. And it's going to okay. look like putting all of our tech. I mean, Buckminster Fuller, if you want another thinker that will, he's actually a thinker I'm going to go into next. I'm, I'm revisiting Carl Jung right now. I'm also re listening to Jordan Peterson. I'm just going to name drop people that will help you piece all this together. Buckminster Fuller, was one of the preeminent generalist systems thinkers. He's all about system science, who pointed out that in the 1950s, we have the technological, technological know-how to feed and clothe every human being in the United States. And that, that applies to the world now. Even in China, even in India, where there's a billion people plus and there's rampant poverty, we have the technology to do it. We can build vertical farms. We can grow something anywhere. We can irrigate deserts. We can terraform the planet. We can 3D print meat. I mean, it's just, it's technology is way beyond the consciousness that's Wait, operating it. We can 3D print meat. Have you heard of this? There's artificial meat that they 3D print now. And so it has what the exact is the substance that, what's like the base? It's like, it's like biomass. So, like, you know, peptides, amino acids. And um, so they're starting fats. with these basic units and creating meat yeah yeah it's, it's it's insane it's creepy like i would i wouldn't need it but this is proposed as an idea to Are cut down carbon no no but i but i i i'm a i'm a locavore so i want to eat the most high quality local organic wild caught grass-fed everything and that's the healthiest i feel when i do that um but yeah, I, I bring that up as an absurd example. And you can literally, if you just Google 3D printing meat, you will get the whole lowdown. Um, we can do all this stuff. But the consciousness that operates the technology and runs the institutions is not there, where that's a priority. 
that priority is spend, you know, a couple trillion on new weapons to bomb villages and, and drone strike villages in the Middle East for oil, you know, and this is just, it's, it's insane. It's insanity. A child can see that it's insanity. Are these, is this changing? It is. There's more people in government right now that want to see it change than there ever has been. What makes you believe that? Even the mainstream news, which is a complete shit show, and its narrative is at best questionable and like, huh? And at worst, just like fear porn is showing us this. That's why they're trying so hard to shut down consciousness. And they're trying so hard to, you know, shape the narrative that everything's going to like, you know, we're in fear and the pandemic and the quarantine and be afraid and political instability. Like it's because that enough people now are awake to the game on many levels. And there's younger people in government, the errors to these old families, you know, and you can go into the rabbit holes of like what families control government and industry. Cause it is weird. Like, there's like a certain number of families and bloodlines. And there's also a certain number of corporations, which are kind of like another type of family, right? It's like a family by shared goals and business that control all the systems. All systems of media in the United States are controlled by six corporations. This is public knowledge, not making this stuff up. They are realizing because the youth, 30 year olds, 40 year olds, you know, some of these guys at the top are in their 70s and 80s. They're from the World War II generation. The dinosaurs are dying off. So I have, I have a lot of hope that these younger people who are fascinated by things like psychedelics, tantra, meditation, organic eating, community living, decentralized finance, you know, they're exposed to this information because it's, it's exploding right now. The wave of consciousness is exploding. So do we rely on these governments, institutions to change things for us? No, start now, start with yourself, start with your body, then ripple it out to the five people closest to you in your village, your immediate community. And the first step is elimination, eliminate anything in your life that's making you weak. Example. Because I think you, um, you're pointing to eliminating things on, on so many different levels and so many different layers. Yeah. The easiest ones are foods, people, places, jobs, relationships, houses, etc. physical, tangible things. The hardest ones are ideas, habits, thoughts, mm. loops. And at first, if you're, if you're hearing this and you like, you're just like, what the fuck? Like, I haven't thought about any of this. I haven't done any of this. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be a little bit of a fight at the beginning. You're going to have to like get real and be like, Whoa, maybe I'll just stop eating potato chips. And that's a big step, right? Cause you love potato chips and fuck. I love potato chips. If they're organic and like quality and they're not using shitty oils, I will even eat potato chips right now. So, you know, I'll take all this stuff with a grain of salt. You know, if it's resonating, take it, practice, experiment for yourself. If it's not, just delete. It's okay. But the easy stuff will be 
eliminating what, what most is impacting you. So if you're like drinking a lot and alcohol is impairing you, that might be something to stop. If you're smoking, if you're smoking a lot, you know, those are two big ones that I've dealt with myself and I know it's, that's a process. If you're in a codependent toxic relationship with anyone, your girlfriend or boyfriend, your boss, your colleague, your roommate, that's going to be a tough one, but that one will free up a ton of energy if you actually admit and own and create boundaries and space with that, or maybe even completely leave it. If your career, if your purpose, if the job where you're spending most of your waking hours is soul sucking and toxic and you know it, make a plan, make an exit plan and execute it. Crumb by crumb, bit by bit, baby step by baby step. Once you've eliminated a lot and you've created a lot of energy and attention and freedom of, of, of movement, then you can start creating the good habits. And that's where you have to start. We all have to start with ourselves. It's an inside job. The revolution, the ascension, the consciousness expansion on the planet starts with you. It's a mass of individuals. Ideology won't do it for you. Guru won't do it. A coach won't do it for you. Your CEO won't do it for you. It's not going to happen. The president's sure as hell not going to do it for you. I mean, it comes back to the cliche, but super, super important and relevant point that to change the world, you have to change yourself. That's the only way how each and every yeah. individual stepping up. I want to come back to and just painting more details to the the world situation and some of the things playing out and some of the ways that we can, well, of course, bring bring about change. But just kind of painting that that vision for for something better because. You know, I'll be completely honest, even like, even in myself, like, and this is where my growth has been taking me. It's been, and I think this is where everyone kind of begins in the trajectory that we all follow. It's been so focused in on what am I creating within my own sphere, my own life, my own experience. And then that starts to grow into a larger vision, a vision that you have to, to serve others, serve an individual sitting in front of you right working with people on a one-on-one level but then it grows into like what kind of world am i trying to be a part of co-creating um and i have to say i'm a little disappointed in myself and how like just kind of buried into my own thing i've been up until now i feel like on on some level i've just kind of had my head buried in the sand for far too long and now I'm starting to realize, like, if I really want to be, because it's always been wanting to co-create a better world, but mm. being aware of what is happening without, without that awareness, how can you expect to, or you aren't going to be able to, to create as great of impact, I don't think, without truly understanding, again, where are we right now? Like, what, where are we and what's really going on? Um, so I do kind of feel called to bring it back to the, uh, the crypto thing. How do you feel like this is going to change the world specifically? And like, yeah, just be the, be, just be the voice for it right now. Like, why is this something important for us both as individuals and as a collective to, to educate ourselves on? I mean, it's, it's a great question and I'll go to a meta level. It's not even about crypto. 
crypto is just an, is an amazing example of what's possible. It's about value itself, which is about money. Whether you like it or not, unless you are a lottery winner or an inheritor of vast wealth, or if you're living off the land in the wilderness right now, which you wouldn't be listening to this if you were, probably not. Um, your money and your life are linked. So what's the main, I mean, Pink Floyd said it in Dark Side of the Moon. What are the main things people struggle with? Oh, I don't have enough time. Why don't you have enough time? Because I work all the time. Why do you work all the time? Got to eat, got to pay rent, got to pay bills, got to get out of debt. Da, 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 da. Most of humanity is there. Money, survival, consciousness. Why? Why? Food literally grows on trees. You can build a house from plants, a shelter, you know. What are the basic human needs? What do we actually need to live well? This is, this is, this is metaphysical. It's philosophical. I'm going to go to the top and then work my way down because it's important to ask these questions and start to realize that, I mean, this is like the matrix. This is the red pill. A lot of the reality we grew up in, and again, this applies to Western Americans and Europeans and Australians and British, and, and it applies probably to tons of Asians and Africans as well. Um, but there's parts of the world where like, you know, it's completely different. There's way more inequality and poverty. Um, I was born into, you know, a, a, by comparison, a wealthy family, middle-class suburban Texas household, but everything's determined by money on some level, which is value. Money is a, is a system of value or karma. I do something for you or the community. I receive this token. Then I can use this token later to receive something from the community or from another person. It's great. It's a system to keep score of karma or value or um, of energy. You can think about it all these ways. But why are so many people struggling with it? Well, it's because many reasons, some of which we addressed. How money is created and distributed is esoteric and oftentimes in some form of convoluted technical language at worst in deception where the people creating money and distributing it don't tell you how they're doing it until they get caught doing something wrong and then they make concessions why don't they teach us this in school we have to learn about napoleon's campaigns through russia we have to learn about you know binomial equations but they don't even touch personal finance they don't even touch how money is created real economics even economic classes, they don't go to the core of what would serve us working and living in the world. So education is a big part of this. Um, why are so many people struggling with it? Why are so many people unable to be happy? Whether they have almost no money and they're really unhappy because they're suffering or they have so much money, but they're still miserable because they don't have the skills and the connections to receive what they most want, which is love from other human beings, a healthy body, a healthy mind, connections to earth and nature, and a sense of meaning and purpose beyond themselves. Very simple stuff. We know this stuff. It's been studied longitudinally in psychology for a century or more. Money's at the root. So why is crypto important? It's a new way to do it. 
that improves upon some of the major flaws in the global system right now. And it affects everyone. So Bitcoin is a bridge, it's an invitation to reinvent. I like to think of it in a great thinker, if you wanna re read this, is Charles Eisenstein. He wrote a book called Sacred Economics. And I like that phrase, sacred economics. How can we create an ec global economic system that is sacred and, and sacred in a very specific sense, not woo woo, we worship love and light, but sacred as in it, 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 it's, it has devotion and life into it. There's a, there's a level of like, wow, like gratitude for earth and all of its abundance for supporting us literally. And how do we distribute resources? You can't eat money. You can't build a house out of money. Money don't buy me love, as Bill said. Resources do. Clean air, clean food, clean soil, clean water. So the economic system needs to be prioritizing that. And I don't know how, but I know crypto is an upgrade. It's just kind of bringing us back to realize what, or remember what, what we actually need and what's actually important. Yeah. Because a lot of people are chasing money without actually knowing why they're doing it, right? No. Programmed to believe that they need, and I think it goes back to what you're saying about the the emotions right where there's this being instilled with fear that manifests into this this chase after this feeling these feelings of scarcity that causes people to chase something that they don't actually truly want thinking that they want it So what does that what does that better world look like? It looks like harmony with nature, biomimicry. Not taking too much, giving more. Reducing our impact, our negative impact on the planet and each other. So it looks like a sane, life-affirming civilization. So a sane organism, a sane being doesn't hurt itself or destroy itself. It makes absolutely no sense. It's counter to evolution. It's counter to the life impulse. And yet that's the status quo right now on many levels. Psychologically, when you say emotion. the same organism, you mean this, this planet that we are all... Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, the planet is an organism also, like a giant ecosystem. It's a biosphere, a planetary biosphere. And human beings are one organism. We're, we're a super organism, actually, in the same way that an ant colony is or a termite colony or, or, a, or a massive colony of bacteria, or protozoa, you know, or plankton, or, or, a, or a beehive. We're a super organism. We share a fate. Nobody can do this alone. 
So the whole organism, the whole species, the whole civilization, all the different tribes and colors and types of, of peoples, you know, like it's so cliche, but it's, it's cliche for a reason and it's downplayed because it's seen as utopian, but we're living in, a, in something that's becoming a, dy a dystopia. We could use some more utopian people living in harmony with nature and each other, sacred economics, sacred governance. How do we lead and rule one another? We don't rule. That's a big part of it. This is true mm -hmm. sovereignty, interdependence instead of codependence and dominance. We interdepend on one another. And sovereignty means that you can express yourself however you want, as long as it doesn't harm others or the earth. The primary point here is that it begins with awareness and in order to invoke, invoke any real change, um, it begins with, with the individual. It begins with change within oneself. So I'm going to ask you two things. I feel like the response to both of these things are going to be one thing. Um, one, where do we begin? What can we do? Where should our focus be in terms of one better understanding the world situation and how we can support this vision that you've painted of a more harmonious world and two this is the the grand finale question that i've been wrapping up all the conversations with um but i feel like your response to this that question i just asked is going to be the same as this one so i'm going to ask this one as well my man, if you were to just realize the power to telepathically communicate to all of humanity, what words do you have to say? And the first thing that comes up, which, you know, it's not grandiose, but it's just love more. Sounds cheesy, even as I thought it and say it, but it's true. It, it starts a cascade of behavior and effects that has a massive ripple on the planet. If every human being just consciously loved more and gave love instead of trying to receive it or defend or, you know, all the things that we do instead that we learned from childhood, um, we would start to create that more harmonious world. And also I would telepathically right now on the planet, tell everyone to question everything and to cultivate two superpowers. One is discernment, high level discernment, sensitive awareness of thoughts and ideas and beliefs and tracking them, stalking them like a lion in yourself. And the other superpower is compassion. Cultivate compassion for yourself. Can you actually love yourself? It's huge. And then if you're somewhat successful at that, practice compassion with others instead of blaming them or judging them or making them wrong or trying to guilt trip them or say that they're the enemy. Can you have compassion for them even as they 
act a fool, even as they attack you. Obviously, defend yourself. Don't don't take bullshit. Don't let yourself be harmed. Defend yourself. Stand in your power. But you know, most of the time, it's just it's their words. It's their way of being. It's their attitude. Have compassion. See through the bullshit and see a person who's hurt. Because hurt people hurt people. And scared people try to scare people. So you got to look at that and just like compassion, some next level Jedi ability. And it's not easy. It's a skill. You already have it, but it takes, it takes some energy to cultivate it. So cultivate it. You know, if every human being on the planet right now, what you should do is well, what I'm doing and what you can do. I'm not going to tell you what you should do is become as sovereign as possible. And I mean something very specific by that. Become sovereign with your money. Where is your money? Where is it going? Where is it coming from? This involves career, finance, your purpose, your mission, your whatever, your career. How can you become more sovereign, creating more freedom for yourself? Big focus. Where does your water come from? Where does your food come from? Who are the people you love most? Track that. It's important. And then just remove your faith from from institutions. If any part of you is putting all your faith or all your eggs in one basket in the Republican Party or the Democratic Party or the Communist Party or the, you know, the, the Rastafarian part, like just experiment with removing any power or authority or belief that you've given to that that's not serving you anymore. And then you'll, then you'll start to see with clear eyes and, and you won't spend so much time on, on media sites or news sites trying to like get more dopamine and understand what's happening. Pull back and have discernment. And don't, don't give away your power so easily to people and institutions and ideologies that, pardon my French, don't give a fuck about you. And that's, that's a red pill. It's a painful truth. I feel like a lot of people are experiencing and a lot of people are going to experience as we move through this, this chaos in, in, our, in our age right now. I'm going to ask one more thing because I know you're a well-read man, although this might end up being a loaded question. Um, but I trust that you'll bring through exactly what is being called for here. Um, any resources that, that you feel called to, to recommend we explore? I mean, the first ones that come up, which are pretty esoteric, but you know, as far as new media or new resources, you know, I'll tell you what I'm reading right now. I'm rereading is Carl Jung, Psychology and Alchemy. Probably my favorite thinker of the last 200 years. Jung is a is a wealth and gold mine of deep, deep healing information um, and experience. So Psychology and Alchemy is what I'm reading right now. It's a pretty heavy book if you're going to get into Jung. If you're going to get into Jung for the first time, read Memories, Dreams, Reflections. It's like his anthology biography. Um, now the two books that came to mind which aren't even really books they're like texts that have been turned into books are the Tao Te Ching the Tao Te Ching is a 
Taoist compilation of mystical poetry that will give you a lot of freedom in these times because you'll start to you really just read one line at a time and breathe and feel it and slow down you'll feel what these guys are pointing at with their these sages that wrote this stuff the other one is the and there's different versions of this but you'll you can do some searching and find the one that resonates read read about the seven hermetic principles the seven there yeah I like it. I just went over that with my one of my groups, my online course group, and it's it's very powerful. Seven Hermetic principles. A lot of the Hermetic material is really powerful, but that's a good place to start. Is just study the seven Hermetic laws. Carl Jung, the Tao Te Ching, and the seven Hermetic principles. Did you just confirming for me? Why I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you, bro. My brother, thank you for for coming on and flowing with me. Um, that was so jokes how things panned out. We weren't supposed to talk about tantra. I mean, no. Let me let me frame that. Um, we had other things that I hadn't foreseen was we were going to get into that was meant to be explored. Um, and that's, sure. I think, like we pointed to at the beginning of the conversation, that's where the magic happens. So oh, I yeah. say I appreciate you. I appreciate all that you're being, sharing. And thanks again for, for joining me for this conversation, my man. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, this was this was a lot of fun, man. You, you coaxed out some big rants from me that uh, I hope will be of value to someone. So really appreciate Big you. Big and important, my man. Big and important. All right, before you go, though, um, for all of our listeners that are interested in connecting with you further, where would we go? Yeah, I mean, I'm all over social media. Search my name, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. On Instagram, it's at Kev underscore Oroslan, O-R-O-S-Z-L-A-N. It's lion in Hungarian. Um, Lion? Lion, yeah. Oroslan is lion, which is like kind of my artist name. My real name is Kevin Oris, O-R-O-S-Z. So you can mm. search that on YouTube, on Facebook. You'll find all my content, um, kevinoris.com. Um, you can find out more about my, my private mentorship. I do, you know, VIP mentorship, archetypal coaching for men and women. Um, I also have an online course, flowstatemastery.com. It is a six-week course to create high performance habits. A lot of the stuff I talked about in here, breath work, meditation, NLP, Tantra, fasting and nutrition, movement and biohacking, reading and writing. Um, it's like the basic toolkit that I start everyone with if they're going to work with me, create a morning routine, stick to it, learn the practices, embody them, right? Um, and then I have another course coming out I'm really excited about, Masculine Mastery, which is intro to men's work for masculine archetypes, king, warrior, magician, lover covers women, war, business, training for the average man. It's going to be powerful. When's that um, Next month, next month. Uh, it's 95% there. I'm just putting the finishing touches on. So I don't have a oh. day right now, but February for sure it's dropping. And then my podcast, go to Spotify to search my name or search the Revolution podcast. R is in parentheses. So it's like R Evolution. And... Yeah, I just rebooted that podcast. There's a ton of new episodes. I got a big backlog I need to release um, before I start catching up with live interviews that go out. But 
you know, I just published episode 91 today. So there's a ton of content on my free content on my podcast. If you loved this one, you're going to love a lot of those. And Brian's definitely going to be on there soon. Solid brother. And it'd be an honor to join you for another conversation, wherever that takes place. So Sunders, the links to all of those are going to be in the description, podcast notes, wherever you're listening to this, watching this. Um, this is going to be one long podcast notes. There's going to be, I think, quite a bit because there was a, quite a bit that was shared here. So again, my man, yeah. I want to say I appreciate you. I appreciate all that you're sharing. Um, I'm looking forward to doing this again sometime. Same, brother. Really, really big love to you and your your family, your loved ones. Our Thank family. you for the invitation. Much love, brother. Senders, that is going to be all for this thought-provoking and inspiring conversation that I'm so glad to have had with my boy, Kevin Arose. I know even just for myself that it was able to wake up in me a fire, a fire to, to educate myself, to better understand and look at some of the things playing out in this world and just bringing greater awareness to how I can be a part of this change, this shift towards a life-affirming civilization. It's on us to take back our power, to become sovereign. It's on us to truly cultivate an awareness around what we can do as sovereign beings in the intention of co-creating this type of world. So I do hope this was able to invoke in you a similar sense of inspiration and free thinking. Go out as Kevin presented that invitation. It's important that we go out, we do some digging, understand these things for ourselves and only then can we truly be prepared to use discernment and make the decisions that we feel like are supportive of this life-affirming civilization that we're creating. Senders, before we go here, I just want to thank you all for the loving support. I hope the show's been supporting you in your ascension. If it has been and you'd like to show some support in return, a couple ways that you can do that. We are now open to receiving monetary donations to support us and continue to have the time and energy to create this type of content that together we ascend team and I and aside from that I do kindly ask that you consider sharing this episode and the show with anyone else that you feel like might be positively served by it it's in my and our collective's interest for this type of content and the guests and the information that's being shared here to get out to more people so if you believe this too Again, I invite you and encourage you to share this around. We're in this together, family. So until next time, keep ascending. <laughs>